0: Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena.
1: And I'm Monissa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters four through six of The Last Olympian. Amazing. Amazing. Are you ready? Are you? You were so mad I got the chapters that I did.
0: I was. I was upset. I was really ready to do a dramatic reading and now oh I must pass the torch to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh god can I live up to it I'm not sure
0: I don't know I don't know these are good chapters though we I'm gonna say that with every chapter of this book but these are these are so good I love it
1: I know I am we should just dive into it I don't think there's like much I can say before it yeah right yeah yeah
0: let's just let's get it going
1: So get ready for some intense Persebeth moments and a rant on how bad the gods are. I have a
0: rant for you, so
1: prepare yourself.
0: Okay, I'm ready. I love to diss the gods, so. Mm -hmm.
1: Chapter four, we burn a metal shroud. Percy dreams of Rachel in her rich girl mansion. She literally has an entire floor to herself, by the way. And she's throwing darts at a painting she made of Percy. Percy comments. It's like true love right there. Like, if anyone ever made a painting of me or a drawing of me, I think I just simply marry them on the spot.
0: As long but as what it's, like, they...
1: attractive.
0: But what if they were throwing darts at it?
1: Mm-hmm. That's, like, psycho behavior. That's definitely restraining order-worthy.
0: <laughs> You're like, it's true love, throwing darts. You want the painting, but you don't want the darts. Okay. Yes. No oh.
1: violence towards me in any way. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Percy comments how his expression in the painting is so fierce. He can't tell if he's the good guy or the bad guy. To which Rachel had... To, she She's seen this portrait before, by the way. And so when he said that to Rachel, Rachel told him that that's what he looks like after a fight, which he thought was a little bit scary to think about. We're going and dark, I like that Percy. idea. Dark Percy. Dark I mean, Percy. he's never seen himself after a fight. In his head, he's obviously the good guy. He's not scary. He's very smug doing what he needs to do to survive. But Definitely. I'm sure to other people and to monsters, especially to this mortal girl who's never seen someone have to fight with a sword, he's very scary.
0: Terrifying. And when we get to, when we way down the line, when we get to House of Hades, we see some dark Percy. Percy has some darkness in him. I
1: know. And I, I like love the nuance of that. hmm Okay, Rachel's father walks into her room demanding to know why she's playing loud music at 3 a.m. He makes the deduction, seeing the darts, that her quote-unquote friend, who's Percy, will not be joining them in the Bahamas. He then asks her if she's still having bad dreams and headaches, and it feels really false to Rachel. She's like, oh, so you can send me to a therapist again? (laughs) He tells her that she has had some quote-unquote unhealthy influences and it would be good for her to get out of the city she says that she will not be going to the academy but he seems to think that she will he seems to be the kind of man that always gets his way you know rich men rich white men yeah rachel reveals after her father has left the room that her dreams have led her to draw luke as a young boy and another of the empire state building being struck by lightning and an army gathered at its base is very specific and ominous and Percy wakes up being like oh my god that's so weird but also (laughs) he wakes up wishing he could call her but he has no way to contact her unless he borrowed a phone from Annabeth which he's like even he's smart enough not to ask for a cell phone from Annabeth to call
0: Rachel he's like I'm not gonna bring this up to Annabeth even though I want to dissect my dream
1: yeah (laughs) the minute
0: he he says the minute he says I dreamt about Rachel Annabeth would just like run away or punch him in the face
1: Yep, and we will see that shortly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> After breakfast, Annabeth and Percy decide to do their chores together because they hate them so much. So they're like, "At least we'll be together." I'm like, "You guys are so dumb." Like, God, dumb. just realize. Annabeth is inspecting cabins, and Percy's helping Chiron go through a bunch of reports and files. Through the reports, we learn that there are a bunch of messages, including the lack of information about the whereabouts of Talia and the Hunters. Which is, you know, would have been useful to know when they're in the middle of planning for a war. But okay. Artemis is not giving any information. <laughs> During the inspection, they go to the Aphrodite cabin and give it five out of five, which apparently is very common. Stopping to talk to a listless and depressed Selena. The Apollo cabin and the Aries cabin are fighting. Apollo's kids have cursed Ares children to only rhyme, which is hilarious.
0: <laughs> Such a good curse. And I love it.
1: They're strapping the entire time. <laughs> and Aries' kids keep turning their arrows into rubber. Percy asks Annabeth what the fight is about and takes a moment to stare at her, which I have to read. Because mm. she like, takes a moment to respond, so he's like, I'm going to take this moment to look at my friend, who I love platonically.
0: My friend who is pretty, but I have no feelings for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I found myself staring at her, which was stupid since I'd seen her a billion times. She and I are about the same height this summer, which was a relief. Still, she seems so much more mature. It was kind of intimidating. I mean, sure, she'd always been cute, but she was starting to be seriously beautiful. (laughs) Oh, Percy. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Percy. There's like so much to unpack. He's like, it's a relief we're the same height now.
0: Yeah, so because she was taller than him before, right?
1: Yeah. I okay think finally, well that's
0: some toxic masculinity there percy what you have to be taller than her
1: <laughs> i mean if she's bullying him i'm sure he's like i'm finally the
0: same height as her he's like i need something on her to fight back like i may <laughs> be a child of the big three but i can't fight annabeth no i need to just be the same height that's all
1: <laughs> so annabeth in response to his question which he's totally forgot he asked about because he's gazing at her beauty but yeah, she tells platonically. him appa- platonically. Platonically, <laughs> apparently a flying chariot was seized by the Apollo cabin during the raid led by the Ares cabin, and now custody was being disputed, and base and no one will take sides with either, and it's become this whole fight where neither side is relenting. Um, they go to a couple more cabins together before ending at Athena's. It's perfectly clean except for Annabeth's desk. It's covered with papers, and her brother explains that they didn't want to touch any of it in case it was important. Also, they're scared of Annabeth, which is very fair.
0: I always feel very seen by this scene, because <laughs> I, too, always have a cluttered desk, and people are always, like, think I'm really organized, but I'm actually just, like, very all over the place, and it's always surprising. So I'm like, <laughs> same Annabeth. Me, too.
1: <laughs> She's very mad at herself for her, that she let herself do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Athena campers then leave Percy and Annabeth alone in the cabin together. Like, it was just literally everyone is just like, kiss, goddammit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, they're probably all watching through the window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're just like waiting. I'm sure Annabeth has mentioned Percy like nonstop. So they're like, can you just please get together with him? And like, she's yeah. not going to do anything about it. So they're trying to create situations that she gets stuck with him. Incredible. Top tier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the point where Percy randomly gets into the incest of it all. He's like, you might be wondering, like, about dating. Because, like, I'm wondering about dating. He's like, how does it work between, you know, godly parents, etc., etc.? And he's like, the godly parent part of the DNA essentially doesn't count unless they're the same god. So, for example, kids of the Athena cabin cannot date other Athena kids because they're siblings. Or like, at least half siblings at that point. Yeah. But the relation of, like, Zeus and Poseidon being related has nothing to do with their kids. The the godly part, for some reason, at that point doesn't interfere. And instead of getting into it the same way that he doesn't get into how Annabeth was born, um, he's just like, this is this fact and we're going to move on so that we can all just be happy about it. Also, Percy's uncomfortable because there's a rule now where you're not supposed to be left together. If you're you're not siblings, two campers aren't allowed to be alone together. And he's like, oh my god, we're alone together. What does this mean? Obviously nothing happens. But he's just feeling uncomfortable and he starts trying to have small talk with Annabeth. They talk about Daedalus' papers and such. And then Annabeth comes over to Percy and does literally, you know Amy, that scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Jake is like, Amy has a towel where she tucks her hair behind her yeah, ear. Yeah, I know
0: that scene. Oh. So Annabeth good. literally
1: does that, and Percy remarks on it. He's like, that's what Annabeth does when she's nervous.
0: Also, Percy and Annabeth have a very Jake and Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine dynamic, They really honestly. do. I think
1: that's, like, peak romantic couple. Like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, who else?
0: Um, actually, that's a good point. Who else is like that? Jake and Amy. <laughs> it's, like, the the one, like, studious partner and then the one kind of like chaotic and fun yeah partner. i was gonna
1: say some parks and rec references but all of the they're all kind of equally bound so they're all like not too chaotic or they're so chaotic yeah, but their partner is yeah. also chaotic yeah.
0: yeah yeah in different ways but it's, i yeah. love that trope mm-hmm.
1: so cute
0: me too it's so good
1: okay so ready for this a dramatic reading because i just ugh, the best <laughs> You know, she brushed her hair behind her ear like she does when she's nervous. This whole thing with Beckendorf and Selena, it kind of makes you think about what's important, about losing people who are important. I nodded, my brain starting seizing on little random details like the fact that she was still wearing those silver owl earrings from her dad who was this brainiac military history professor in San Francisco. And then he literally takes that moment to be like, "Everything cool with your family?"
0: So Percy just is like, immediately is like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to think about her dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was
1: like, oh, yeah, you know, people who are important to you, losing people, your family, how's your dad?
0: Can you imagine if you're trying to flirt with someone and they're just like, how's your dad? 110% is something I would do. Yeah, that is something you would do. Yeah. I You just randomly be like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah your mom how is she
1: <laughs> and then anna he even recognizes annabeth looks so disappointed when he didn't say what they need to what she was hoping he would say and they just move on to the big house and i was like uh, oh, dumb man okay uh, there they read reports addressed to grover who is missing who has been missing for about two months last heard of in central park Percy then connects this all to Central Park and his dream of Rachel and tells Annabeth about them. He literally Bad starts move. off. He's so dumb. He's like, I had a dream about Rachel. And she just seizes. She just freezes. She's so mad and he can't even. Ugh, he's so
0: dumb. Like, dumb is why couldn't he just say, I had a dream with these images. Yeah. Of like, you know, Olympus and lightning. He didn't have to say, like, it was Rachel standing there beautifully painting them. <laughs> like... <laughs> Percy
1: oh god he's so dumb and and with, at the, after he finishes this whole spiel about his dream of her and how he dreams of other women um and how the <laughs> he's the like dream... I dreamed
0: of another woman last night how's your dad <laughs> 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 those are his pickup lines
1: <laughs> but the worst part is that the other woman is painting him in his yeah. dream of her yeah. he's so dumb and annabeth is clearly pissed and she's like i don't really know what you want me to say about this information like what do, what reaction do you want from me and annabeth confirms that like, he kind of pushes her and she confirms his theory that if she was Kronos, she would use typhon to distract um uh, the gods and leave olympus unattended and attack but she refuses to recognize that rachel might be correct or might be warning them of something and i'm going to read this part percy she said her voice tight Rachel is just immortal. But what if her dreams are true? Those other titans. They said Olympus would be destroyed in a matter of days. They said they had plenty of other challenges. And what's with that picture of Luke as a kid? We'll just have to be ready. How, I said. Look at our camp. We can't even stop fighting each other. And I'm supposed to get my stupid soul reaped. She threw down her scroll. I know we shouldn't have shown you the prophecy. Her voice was angry and hurt. All it did was scare you. You run away from things when you're scared. I stared at her, completely stunned. Me? Run away? She got right in my face. Yes, you. You're a coward, Percy Jackson. We were nose to nose. Her eyes were red, and suddenly I realized that when she called me a coward, maybe she wasn't talking about the prophecy. If you don't like your chances, she said, maybe you should just go on vacation with Rachel. Annabeth, if you don't like our company, that's not fair. She pushed past me and stormed towards the strawberry fields. She hit the tether ball as she passed and sent it spinning angrily around the pole.
0: <laughs> he's oh my god, uh... he's so... I would like to take this moment to recognize that Percy did yet get the brain cell for a second there. Where he was like, wait a second, maybe she's not mad about this. Maybe she's talking about something else I'm afraid of.
1: But what else could I be afraid of?
0: I'm afraid to think about that. (laughs) I'm
1: also afraid. It's so funny, too, when he's like, I'm supposed to get my stupid soul reaped anyway. And she just casually mentions death. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. And I love her. I mean, can you unpack this for me? What is she Mm, thinking in sense of like, why does that set her on the edge? Like she's already mad about like him talking about his getting his soul reaped why does she think that's making him scared is it like a spill off of rachel or
0: i think she's talking about how he's scared of their relationship i think she's already mad because she tried to bring it up with him and the best way a 15 16 year old girl can by being like it makes you think about what's important wink wink And then he totally avoided it and basically ran away. He's also been kind of running away from her for the past year, which we don't get a lot of information about, but, like, things are awkward between them. For a while. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, well, I'm just gonna get my stupid soul reaped, and I think that, like, makes her pissed because she's been so scared of him dying, and he just keeps acting like it's such a flippant thing, like in the last episode when we read the prophecy. He was just like, yeah, I'm going to die. What's up with that? That's kind of weird. And she was like, almost crying. And so she's just so mad at him for being such a stupid head. That's what I think is going through. Just a lot of emotions.
1: We actually had a question sent to us by um, oh, yeah. Prisha, who basically asked if we think that Percy is a coward. And I, I responded to them, but I want to know your thoughts.
0: Ooh, I mean, yes and no, in that I think he's being a total dummy about this. But I also think I'm, like, he is, like, 15 years old and is the chosen of a prophecy. Like, he's got a lot going on right now. And he's dealing with it how he can. And, like, Annabeth also, like, I love her, but she isn't articulating what she wants from him. Like, she is being, which, like, I wouldn't have done at 16 either as you know like i wouldn't have articulated that either um i still probably wouldn't but but, like um she's not being clear about what she wants from him which is love and he is just like there's so much going on and he's trying to accept the fact that he's dying so i don't know if he's a coward but i also think like he's definitely being like she is being obvious enough that he in his internal dialogue is like recognizing that she might be talking about something else and that she's been weird and that she kissed him and like all this stuff and so it's kind of like yes and no from me mm. what are your thoughts i said i mean so i
1: said no before we had done <laughs> battle of the labyrinth properly i hadn't realized <laughs> how weird he was to her for so long i thought it was Mm -hmm. like all on her and then it was just suddenly came up in this chapter of the book i didn't realize he had they had been weird for so long since the previous summer almost
0: it's been like a year yeah
1: yeah and she did kiss him like she did make the first move so Mm -hmm. i think he's a bit of a coward in the sense of like, he definitely has these strong feelings and he's not sorting them. But I think coward is the wrong word. I think he just hasn't yeah. had time and the ability to process his feelings because he's gonna die and he's gonna, he needs to kind of hold the fate of the entire Western civilization on his shoulders so he doesn't think about it. But he di- if he does make time for Rachel and he does do these things where he brings Rachel up in front of Annabeth, knowing that she's gonna be upset, and he does a lot of these things. I think that's being a little bit of an idiot rather than a coward. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a little obtuse.
0: Yeah, and I do think like he she's right in that he's being super avoidant about it. You know, mm-hmm. like, any time she tries to bring something up, he does, like, he runs away, like, metaphorically, because he brings up her dad. And, like, <laughs> it's just, like, he is avoiding it, but I don't know that it's, and I think he is, like, afraid of her. Like, you know, like, he's he's afraid of her, and, like, a healthy fear, a healthy fear of a woman, as as <laughs> every man should have. Um, But <laughs> he, I don't know that he's being necessarily a coward about it, but rather mm-hmm. that he just is, like, not really he's like doesn't have time to think about it or the like mental capacity
1: yes exactly and i think also technically annabeth doesn't either and she just doesn't realize that
0: she just has such strong feelings and like he's gonna die supposedly and she just wants to kiss him again
1: and he's going after this other girl, but she doesn't know what their status is. Mm-hmm. And he's been avoiding her, and she, like, put herself out there multiple times. And this boy's the stupidest man alive, so it's yeah, been no, been
0: frustrating. That, honestly, it sounds so awful to have, like, kissed someone who's, like, your best friend in love with your life, and then they, like, never bring it up. Ugh. That sounds yeah awful. So awful.
1: And also to have, then, he has, like, a string of... Women essentially, not yeah. actually, but kind of like immediately he goes to Calypso's island. Immediately he needs, like, he becomes close with Rachel. That would make me so upset. I'd feel so yeah. bad. I would also call him a coward and like, oh be yeah, weird and throw things.
0: Yeah, but again, if they had had their kiss, then, oh,
1: I mean, it doesn't make sense for the no. plot.
0: No, but
1: if something had happened I mean I'm so glad he wrote this in because it needed to be seen I just wish something else
0: would have happened too. yeah I, I like would a kissed a again, like an uh, AU fanfic of like maybe like he sucks up his, he, he becomes courageous and kisses her then to prove he's not a coward that would be good yeah That'd I mean
1: good. the way that it happened I have nothing that I would change about it so Same. I'm very happy yeah. but yeah I get that as well And one of my notes, which I wanted to get onto, is basically I've never wanted an Annabeth POV more than I do in this book. Because, like, how frustrated, like, what was going through her mind? How frustrated was she when she heard the dream, when when Percy didn't respond to her obviously flirting and putting her feelings out there like ah this this book i don't care about the other ones as much because i think (laughs) they do a good job of like i like the way annabeth is seen through percy's eyes in the other books but this one maybe even the last one like a little bit of annabeth's like povs would have been so interesting i don't want it either because i like this instead like guessing what it might have been like is more fun but at the same time i want it you know
0: yeah, and there's something fun about an oblivious narrator when they, like, mm-hmm. describe things happening and you're like, it's because they like you or they like each other and you're just not noticing it and it's so funny. But I think <laughs> that Annabeth's internal, like, whole narration would have just been screaming. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just like,
1: how can I do this better? Do I have to write it on my
0: forehead? I do, yeah. I do. I'm such a sucker. Yeah, I'm such <laughs> a sucker for when... Like, there's two people that are in a pseudo-relationship, and then someone else gets involved. Like, you know, like, there's, like, a Rachel that comes in and, like, forces Mm -hmm. them to, like, confront their feelings. Ugh. I I love love that. I love the angst of it.
1: I do love, like, like you said, kind of an oblivious narrator, too, though. Mm -hmm. It's just, Mm -hmm. like... How could they ever like me? And you're like, because they love
0: you, you idiot. You're like, we all know. Yeah. I knew when I was like 12 reading this book, you know? know. Like...
1: From the beginning. <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we can stipend all day on that, but I have a lot more right. things to get through in the next two chapters, so... <clears throat> Percy's day just gets worse from that point. They burn a shroud for Beckendorf's burial. It's made out of metal links, and he's surprised that it catches on fire. Everyone attends, and Annabeth doesn't speak to Percy the whole time, and then leaves. <laughs> Percy goes up to Selena and lets her know that Beckendorf carried a picture of her in his pocket, which of course makes her break down. Clarice is comforting Selena this whole time, and is like, thanks a lot, asshole, essentially, to Percy. <laughs> but Selena caught like, clarifies if, like, no, that was incredibly thoughtful for you to let me know and I really needed that information. Obviously, she's not going to be sunshine and smiles about that information, so. Yeah. Clarice is not emotionally intelligent, so we know that. She's like, no. tears is bad. But <laughs> Tear um, bad. <laughs> Percy tries to encourage Clarice to fight and give up her stupid pride. Percy considers for a second if Clarice is the spy, because he's like, this is sabotaging our whole thing and... Also, Clarice is randomly not rhyming and not rapping at him, so she's like, he's like, how did she avoid this spell? But even Percy knows that's not like her, and he, even though he doesn't like her, he respects her and knows that she would never do something like that drastic. He then tries to cash in his favor of saving her from the Cyclops' cave, but her favors apparently have terms and conditions, which he didn't read, so she's <laughs> like, I can't do that. And Chris, who apparently is dating her, Chris Rodriguez, is oh like... Listen, I agree with Percy and she's like, not you too, my boyfriend apparently I am attracted to. <laughs> and he she runs off and Percy gives up on the two of him two of them and heads off to see an old friend. Um, my note about this, I I was mad, I think, when I was writing these chapters because I kind of <laughs> ranted. I have no respect for Clarice in this position. I get yeah. that she has her pride, but I hate people who put pride first. Like how, do, like she's talking about respect. Like this is making me respect you less. Like any respect I had for you previously is gone because you are literally willing to risk the lives of others because you're not getting your stupid chariot. And it's about yeah. honor. Like that's not, nothing honorable about that. You shouldn't be expecting gifts or respecting yeah. like, she's like, oh, you need me to fight for you, but when I want a chariot, you won't give it to me. Have a debate later, okay? Like. This is not the time. Know your time and place.
0: Yeah. Also. It's the same thing with like a, the Achilles comparison too. Like. Yeah. He's so stupid about not wanting to fight even though he could like almost single-handedly like supposedly like the best warrior help win the war. But no. <sighs> I
1: also like the the fact that Percy gives her an out. And I was like and she doesn't take it. Yeah. He's like, hey, you have to, you owe me a favor and you promised me. And Aries is like, good about favors and blah, blah, blah. So you promised me I could cash in this favor. So I'm cashing it right now. And that's an easy out. She doesn't have to say, well, I had to give up my pride. She's like, well, I owed Percy and I'm someone who honors my commitments. And that's an out for her. She doesn't have to backtrack if her pride is wounded or whatever. And she doesn't take it. She's like, anything but this. I'm like, no, clearly not anything. Clearly you have terms and conditions. And that frustrates me. I have zero respect for her.
0: Yeah. The end. Same. Same. I'm not a, a Clarice fan. It's not a good look for her. You know, I felt bad for her in, like, the second book.
1: Yeah.
0: <sighs> but she's. Just, but that- she has no growth here. All right. Chapter five, I drive my dog into a tree. Again, Mrs. O'Leary is being abused. It's not good. It's okay. Percy's, Percy's quite nice to Mrs. (laughs) O'Leary. So Percy heads straight for Mrs. O'Leary, who is that old friend he was visiting, who is honestly like the best. She's up there with Sally Jackson Percy tells us that he practically inherited Mrs. O'Leary after Daedalus died, mm-hmm. and Beckendorf used to help care for her while he was gone from camp. And, again, here we go, I'm gonna get back on my Daedalus as a piece of crap stuff, because he didn't even have care set up for his dog in case of death. Like, I, like did he not ever have a dog sitter? Like, sure, she can take care of herself, but she she's a hellhound, I know. She's, like, giant and powerful, but, like, she needs company. I don't know. I think that he like how many how many times did he just leave her to fend for herself? Like, sure, he was technically immortal for a bit because he was like an android or whatever. But what was he called? What are those automata- automaton Automaton. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like him as an android. Automaton. Sci-fi. Make Percy yeah. Jackson sci-fi. Actually, <laughs> only use an
1: iPhone. Laptop. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I just think that he, again, should have had something set up. And, you know, I hope she didn't mourn Daedalus. Not for too long. Get over him quickly. Yeah. And show you a better life, Mrs. O'Leary. She, um, so Percy, like, plays with her for a bit, and then she starts to bound off and wants to show Percy something. So she leads him away from the field and into the woods to a clearing where the Council of Cloven Elders usually meets. There, Percy finds a really odd mixture of beings. His best goat's girlfriend... The tree nymph, Juniper, his godson, Nico, D'Angelo, and this old curmudgeonly satyr, Lenus. Lenus, I don't know. We find out that Juniper has been, oh, Lenius, has been mm-hmm. talking to Lenius about Grover. Um, because Grover's gone missing, and it's been a while, that, and she hasn't heard from him, and she's really worried. Which is kind of weird to me that, like, Percy didn't really bring this up much before. <laughs>
1: Like, he was just like, oh, Grover's been missing for two months, but if anything was wrong, my empathy link would tell me. And this yeah. kind of moves on.
0: Yeah, And he's like, but I've mm-hmm. been busy going on dates with my not-girlfriend Rachel mm-hmm. to avoid thinking about my old other not-girlfriend <laughs> Annabeth. <laughs> <laughs> so Lennius then refuses to help Juniper find Grover and calls Grover a traitor, filling us in on the fact that there are still tensions among the Satyrs. The goat politics are wild, am I right? of the wild
1: sam Percy, insert booing noises thank you so no. much <laughs> <laughs> Percy basically
0: tells lenius he sucks and yells at him to go find grover and is like if you're going to be a leader of the satyrs you need to lead all the satyrs in this war against Kronos, and we need grover because grover's the best and basically we find out that the Gro the satyrs have been doing nothing except for grover and like the few satyrs that are listening him to him and grover's now missing so they're a mess Lennius is afraid of Percy and he scrambles away and Percy then finally like looks at Nico and is like why are you here this is really <laughs> weird and apparently Nico just accidentally shadow traveled into the middle of Juniper and Lennius's argument. Juniper leaves after Percy tells her that they'll find Cooper and that he's okay like Percy's like I would know I have this empathy, empathy link thing and then Nico and Percy are left to catch up. It turns out that Nico has been traveling around, hanging in the underworld. He even saw Beckendorf down there and relays the message that he doesn't blame Percy. Um, and that Beckendorf is not trying for rebirth. That he's been waiting in Elysium for a special someone. Mm-hmm. Nico has also been visiting Mount Tam and spying on the Titans. He was in San Francisco area following leads on his family. And he just happened to be there and then like, was spying on Atlas at Mount Tam, which is why... Um, or Mount Orthrus, or whatever the Greek version of it is, which is why, like, in the last couple chapters ago, Percy saw him there, and he was, like, actually there. Nico then starts trying to convince Percy to go ahead with his plan to defeat Luke slash Kronos. The plan is not detailed, um, which I think is a super interesting storytelling. I like like this writing method where we we don't know what this plan is, Mm -hmm. but we learn that it's something that Percy has been really reluctant about And Nico believes it's the only way. He says that Luke is too strong. Nothing hurts him. And there's only one way that Nico can think of that Percy um, stands a chance against Luke. Nico has been trying to convince Percy to do this for the past year. And Percy finally agrees because it's approaching his birthday. Nico says that in order to do it, they must first retrace Luke's steps and learn about his past and childhood. He's already traced down Luke's mother, who lives in Connecticut, which will be their first stop. Mrs. O'Leary is volunteered by Nico to take them there via shadow travel. They hop on her back and she slips into the gloom and shadows. I had a pretty short chapter. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I My notes are that I adore Nico's accidental shadow travels. Like how he just mm-hmm. is like, I accidentally ended up here. And I just, I want like a whole novel of him just accidentally ending up at like really important places mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Um, And I also said this when we uh, guested on Return to Camp Half-Blood's podcast, but Grover here is not a good boyfriend, and I stand by that. He never tells Juniper where he's going, and, like, I don't know, I feel like Grover would be better matched with, like, um, some kind of, whatever, Dryad, Nyad that travels with him, because he's like, Grover doesn't want to be tied down, and Juniper can't leave Camp Half-Blood, it's just, you know, a lot of long-distance issues going on here, but... I don't know, maybe they make it through. I want to believe in them. But Grover's Mm -hmm. being great here in his communication skills with his girlfriend. Yeah. And also the fact that Nico just talks to ghosts of dead campers all the time is so sad. And then I also think that Nico mentions that he was following up on family in San Francisco. And brief Heroes of Olympus spoiler. But I think, is that maybe not on purpose, but that could be Hazel, right?
1: If Rick, were, I mean technically he, at the end of this book we do get the beginning of Heroes Olympus, like he sets it up.
0: Yeah. So like he probably knew by here, Maybe. but I don't know how much he would have known. I don't yeah. know how much he knew about Nico's relationships and involvement, but Yeah. That's my he- my personal headcanon that I might be just filling in plot holes. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's that's all my notes that I got. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree with the fact that Grover is not a good boyfriend. I think that right. he could at least, if he's going to get into the scary situations, at least he could do to also make an empathy link with Juniper so she could maybe yeah. save. He's,
0: safe. A if he's apparently message. just making
1: empathy links.
0: Because she's always worried about him. Like in the yeah. last book, she was worried about his trial and, like you know, she's doing the emotional labor here. And it feels
1: like Grover just needs a lot of people to do emotional labor for him.
0: Yeah. Just putting it out there.
1: But it is nice that he's the only satyr who's actually, like, doing stuff.
0: Yeah. He's really carrying the whole, like, environmental movement from the satyrs on his back. But could at least give his girlfriend a message. Or just break up with her, you know? Let her find another satyr.
1: Maybe it's more local
0: all the time. Yeah, a local satyr. Local (laughs) satyr. Sorry, I just thought... Single locals in your area, like satyrs in <laughs> your area. Single satyrs in your area, Juniper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she has to close that ad every time it pops up. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, chapter six, my cookies get scorched. Percy is a big fan of shadow traveling. It's essentially a cold, dark roller coaster, and I would love to also do that, but you know, Whatever. They find themselves in Connecticut next to a huge, somewhat isolated house. Percy wonders why Luke would ever leave such a beautiful and large home. It has a real yard and everything. Compared to his tiny apartment in Manhattan, it looks enormous. Mrs. O'Leary is exhausted and immediately curls up and falls asleep. Nico stumbles into Percy's arms and tells him that he's been practicing shadow traveling, where he traveled to China and into walls the first couple times by accident, which is hilarious. Also, Nico, in these, in these couple chapters, and essentially in this book, has such a personality shift. Mm-hmm. He's so, like, he becomes funny. He becomes more three-dimensional. Like, I like him a lot. I think they set him up really well. I don't know how I feel about him later on. I think he's interesting because he plays a lot of sides and keeps a lot of secrets. Yeah. But I think he's hilarious in this book.
0: He's such, like, chaotic energy, but in, like, a kind of muted way. Like, he seems like he's all quiet, and then he's like, yes, I accidentally went to China once. And then you're yeah. like, what?
1: <laughs> and he, like, the, the little quips he says is always so funny. I'm so like, good. Percy, you raised him. This is why he's saying yeah. such sarcastic shit. Yeah. Nico <laughs> yeah. is a bit tired, but doesn't need to sleep like Mrs. O'Leary, so they go down to Luke's house and ring the doorbell. Percy immediately starts to notice things are off. The sidewalk of the house is lined with little stuffed beanbag animals that have become saggy and moldy from being outside for so long. There's a dozen of wind chimes on the porch that are all just clanging together nonstop. They barely knock on the door when it swings open. I'm going to read the description of May, Luke's mom, because I don't think anything I say will do it justice. Mm-hmm. Luke, the old lady, cried happily. She looked like someone who enjoyed sticking her fingers into electrical sockets. Her white hair stuck up, stuck out in tufts all over her head. Her pink house dress was covered in scorch marks and smears of ash. When she smiled, her face looked unnaturally stretched, and the high-voltage light in her eyes made me wonder if she was blind. So that's May. That's um, Luke's mom.
0: That's she what I want to look like when I'm old. I <laughs> mean, someone...
1: Someone who looks like they enjoy sticking their finger into yeah. electrical
0: sockets. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a very specific, like, I, I feel like it's a great description for children because they're mm-hmm. like, that's the cartoon look, right? When, like, Tom and Jerry's, like, tail goes into yeah. the socket, they shock. But uh, she immediately hugs Nico, calling him Lu- Luke, before then immediately turning to Percy and hugging him all over again, saying he's Lu- Luke, and pulling them both inside. The living room is covered in mirrors and candles, and a picture of Luke that looks exactly like the painting Rachel made, which Percy's very confused about. They get pushed into the kitchen where hundreds of Tupperware with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are stacked. Some of the sandwiches are moldy and old. There are stacks of burnt cookies on cookie sheets and empty plastic Kool-Aid pitchers everywhere. They ask her about Luke and Sheena Day's state says that they, quote-unquote, told her Luke was never coming back, but she knew better that he left when he was in the third grade. He said he was going to go back, come back for lunch, but he never showed up. She tells them that they, quote-unquote, told her she was special because she could see through the mist and offered her a special job, but it didn't work out. Hermes had warned her it was dangerous, but she still wanted to try it, and now she has images in her head that make everything go fuzzy. She says that Luke left to protect her so the monsters wouldn't bother her anymore. But she's glad he's come home. Percy cannot imagine being nine years old and slowly realizing that his mother was crazy. He puts himself in the place of Luke. He asks if Luke has recently visited and May confirms. And she confirms that he also had blue eyes at the time. So he wasn't Kronos yet. He had come and asked for her blessing for something and she had given it to him nico looks at percy and says that's all the confirmation and information they needed so they are about to head out and leave but may has a fit and her eyes begin glowing green she starts yelling in a deeper voice about her child and protecting him from his fate which scares the shit out of nico and percy but suddenly she's back to normal and does not remember what happened they leave and may is distraught thinking luke is leaving again but percy pretending to be luke promises to be safe, and they run out of the house, which I thought was kind of nice of him. He didn't need to do that, but Mm -hmm. it was sweet. They reach the hill where Mrs. O'Leary is hanging out and find that a girl about eight years old with a simple brown dress and a scarf over her head has started a cozy fire. Percy thinks she's a monster immediately, but Nico bows to her and calls her (laughs) my lady. When she looks at Percy, he notices her her eyes are red as fire, and she's created a picnic dinner and invites them to eat. Percy's about to dig in, but offers a bit into the fire as a sacrifice. She says that, as the tender of the flame, she gets a share of every sacrifice. Percy her as, recognizes her as Hestia, and that he saw her the first time he went to camp. She says that he didn't say hi, and that most people don't stop to say hi, but Nico was the one of the only people who did. Hestia explains that she's not a god, useful in fighting, but instead is tending to the heart on Mount Olympus while the gods go fight. Percy asks her what happened to May. She explains that she could see through the mist and it attracted the attention of Hermes. They had a baby together, but then she went too far and sought too much. She advises Percy to step into the shoes of his enemy and understand his family. He, she hints that he is going down the same path Luke did and seeking the same power and suggests that the hardest power to master is the power of yielding. But Percy's like, I'll say anything to get you to stop talking. <laughs> he doesn't understand yet. Hester explains when Dionysus was made a god, she stepped down to avoid a civil war, but it created an unbalanced council, but that was just the price they had to pay. She thinks Percy will understand later what yielding means, and she is all that is left of when the gods go to war. She's the last Olympian, and therefore will be there when he faces his final decision. She tells him she will see him again, and disappears. And suddenly, Percy is in his own living room with Nico and Mrs. O'Leary, before I keep rambling on about all of this stuff, um, I think it's very cute that Nico was the only one to come and say hi to Hestia, Same. that he was also alone in camp and saw this girl who's probably around his age at the time and went to go talk to her because she was just by herself, and that makes me a bit emotional.
0: And it's really sad that like nobody else at camp ever talked to her wrong with these children I mean a lot of things are wrong with these children let's be honest but
1: (laughs) I mean Hestia also seems so chill like she'd be great if they had like given her title of like head therapist or something maybe a lot of these kids would be better off like she'd make them homemade food and let them chill and make them feel like they're at home and Mm -hmm. then send them on their way Mm -hmm. I think um a lot of problems could have been solved if like Luke had a couple of like homemade meals and like a pat on the head maybe he wouldn't have turned into (laughs) chronos right
0: yeah just be a little nice to him maybe Uh, maybe
1: maybe maybe not but maybe yeah mrs o'leary destroys most of the living room but eventually they get her to settle down percy explains his plan to his mom which we still don't know about by the way and we don't know about this whole um chapter While Paul slowly loses his mind, he's learned about the gods and etc, but he didn't really believe it until there's a literal hellhound in his living room. Percy needs his mother's blessing to follow through with their plan, but she's nervous that it's too dangerous. In that moment, Percy realizes how lucky he was to have been raised by Sally instead of someone like May, which I was like, it's really insightful that he realizes that. I think that also gives him a lot of power later in the book to have this perception of his enemy. Rather than thinking he's like in the black and white that he was thinking of before, I think also helps his relationship with Annabeth because Luke is no longer the enemy. It's, you know, someone who had this happen and had a hard childhood and then made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Is still the enemy and sucks, but like it helps make his decision later. Yeah. Paul gently helps persuade Sally, who then finally gives him her blessing. She also asks Percy to give her a sign once the war is over to prove he's alive somehow. And Paul is like, like Theseus, with the, like the sail, like putting up the right color sail to prove to his father that he was alive. And Nico's like, famously, he forgot to do that and his father killed himself. But like, yeah, sure. Let's continue with that plan.
0: Great idea, Percy. <laughs>
1: Which I thought that was so funny. Like, Nico's in the background just being snide. And they, like, clearly, like, Nico has visited the house before. We know that from the last book. So he's probably just, like, at home there and very comfortable and just being annoying in the corner. (laughs) They suggest a flag or a flare from the Empire State Building and something blue. They give Sally and Paula a hug and then get ready to shadow travel to a closer entrance to the underworld. (laughs) Okay. Yes, it would have sucked to have May as a mother, especially going to school and having to take care of her, but I wonder like, if May has been like this almost all of Luke's life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: did he start noticing later that something was wrong? Like, this would have been his normal until like, maybe his um, friends pointed out at school, but at that point, wouldn't adults have intervened? Yeah. How did he know that this is a bad situation?
0: Like, when did know. he become
1: afraid of her?
0: I wonder if she, like, did she increasingly get worse the longer that time passed? And
1: that must be it, right? Like, it I guess. suddenly maybe, like, became too much.
0: She got worse at the same time as he was, like, going to school and realizing he was different. And also, I guess, being chased by monsters because he's a demigod.
1: Yeah. And so maybe he doesn't have any protection because his mom didn't marry Gabe, I guess.
0: <laughs> a smelly man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a smelly man. I also get so mad at this chapter. Like the gods can't interfere; they famously, famously do it all the time. Yeah, like, find better care for if you can't go and care for your son yourself, get someone else to. They like. There's been so many stories where like the child is raised by tree nymphs because a god interferes, but mm-hmm. for some reason Hermes doesn't step in. And like no matter what his reasoning could be, like even if he's like, Oh, but prophecy or this and that, it's stupid. It's not real. Like, it's so fix yourself. stupid,
0: especially when they intervened to make her the way she is. You know? Yeah. Like it's their fault, it- like they like convinced her to do this or like Hermes told her it was dangerous, whatever. But they like allowed her to do this and helped her do this. But then Like what? Mm
1: -mm. Where's Dionysus? He cured Chris Rodriguez, but he can't cure me.
0: I don't understand. What what are the rules? Is it just because she's immortal and like that's messed up? That can't stop him, right? Because technically, they're like the demigods are kind of well, they're half-bloods. They're half mortal, whatever. But like, yeah, especially like, why didn't Luke think to ask Dionysus also? Because, honestly, Dionysus probably doesn't know nor care.
1: Yeah. Which is, okay, fine, I guess. But, like, if this is something that Dionysus is famous for, Luke could have cultured favor and been like, yeah. I 100% don't think he thinks about his mom. Like, Ugh. his mom is just another mistake. Which yeah. then made me think of what happens to me after this
0: book. I genuinely don't Is she don't still know.
1: waiting for Luke? Wait, what the heck?
0: Because she's never like, mentioned a- in ever again ever like i don't even think like- i might not remember correctly but i don't even think she's mentioned in trials of apollo and like it's apollo who tries to make her the oracle or whatever so yeah. um, is she just making
1: peanut butter and jelly sandwiches waiting for luke who's never gonna come that home? is
0: so sad and like does she have any other family like clearly no one sent her like to a to a care home or anything
1: is hermes even looking out for her
0: at all it's, like, the biggest tragedy of the Greek gods, honestly. It really keeps with the theme of just, like, screwing over women
1: in yeah, Greek mythology. They just bear the children. Yeah. And, like, all.
0: Percy's whole thing is, like, often, like, wanting the gods to right their wrongs. But, like, do they ever write this one? Does anyone think of her?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's gonna make me sad.
1: Yeah, I, like, can't bear to think about it. I just started reading it, and I was like, is she just waiting? Because she keeps saying, like, I know he's gonna come home. And, like, her... I was like, Ugh kills me i'm like did he get she get fixed once like the curse was lifted or whatever this is again later in the book we'll talk more about it when it happens but then what
0: even happens like if she if she were to get cured like she's literally spent the last like what like 20 years of her life or 19 18 years of her life living like this like what would you even do so
1: then who's gonna tell I mean who knows what her mental state will be once she knows what's happened to Luke like him becoming Kronos and everything else that happens with him
0: like honestly is she better off living in this like kind of made up world in her mind oh that's really sad I don't like that (laughs)
1: <laughs> dark place they've no, gone thanks. to a dark place no, this made me really mad at the gods i was like yeah I mean, useless like what is the point i would not like no longer like i see where luke well, not luke but like a lot of the other k- kids who turn like where they start seeing this if yeah. this was their mom and this is what something somebody- i mean he doesn't do anything for her like if the moment he became cronus went and fixed may and maybe it'd have some respect for him but he doesn't do that so clearly that's not what it was about
0: and it's we about know this happens like a lot like, we know Talia mentioned her mom had problems with alcohol, and we learned more about her mom in Heroes of Olympus. And I think, like, a lot of the other ones. I mean, like, Annabeth's dad was, like, really not a great parent. And honestly, it it could very much be because Athena just showed up one day and was like, what a nice dinner conversation we had. Here's a baby. Like, <laughs> like these these gods just, like give a lot of responsibility to these normal mortals who might not even want children and then don't do anything to help them.
1: Where the only difference that you really see is like Sally, who was also in a really hard place because she was married to a guy who's abusing her. Yeah, The only reason that it gets solved in any way or she gets freedom is because Percy comes back and he thinks about his mom. Yeah. The first thing he does is give her a way out. Yep. And that's just because Percy is like weirdly emotionally intelligent.
0: And it is so, I love the way these are written. And that's like reading this as an adult, like every time I read this, like the older I am, I'm always like, why? Like these rules don't make sense. Like how the gods can't interfere, Mm -mm. how they can't directly interfere with the war. Like it makes no sense. But then I also am like, but it tracks with Greek mythology. Like, it's exactly like, it's not like Rick is a bad writer. There's plot holes in this book. There are (laughs) plot holes. (laughs) But, (laughs) But like, it's not like it's bad storytelling. It's like very smart because it keeps it. I think the purpose is for you, especially as you get older and read these books to question the gods. And, like, even yeah. as a kid, you're supposed to question them a bit. And then you get older and maybe you learn more about Greek mythology and more about the really dark stuff in Greek mythology that isn't taught to you as a kid. And you're like, oh, the gods really suck.
1: It's they're definitely making up rules as they go just to make it more convenient for them. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, to end it on, like, a lighter note, <laughs> Percy mentions that Sally is writing a novel, which she's always wanted to do, and I really want to know what that
0: novel is. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I want to headcan in it hmm. i think that sally because okay so percy never says what she writes and he's never mm-hmm. read her work i don't think sally jackson writes smutty romance novels called like <gasps> playing with poseidon or something like 100 about her own life yeah yeah and it's all about <laughs> and poseidon read no percy doesn't read it's like all it. those like, sure. really dumb like the the books with the like two people on the cover half naked and it's like
1: the airport romance
0: novels. <laughs> The airport romance novels Sally Jackson writes airport romance novels I want that and to Annabeth
1: reads them and doesn't tell them <gasps> uh, tell tell it to Percy
0: Annabeth 100%. reads them and then like when Percy's like I don't know busy at something and she's hanging with Sally she's like what was what was the scene like <laughs> she's like did, did, did Poseidon actually do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Can Percy do that? Do you think <laughs> Percy could?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, no. I love it. Gross. I feel so uncomfortable. So
0: uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yeah. It's good. Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the god suck yeah. and Sally writes romance novels.
1: Yeah, incredible. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a couple of lightning bolt round questions for you. God, I'm like so sad now thinking about Mae Castellan. I, I know, I'm really so sorry. really need to think of more like <laughs> crappy romance novels Sally could have written, but I can't. Playing with mm-hmm. Poseidon. A Scandal with the Sea God. Ooh, that's a good one Ooh, too. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I want a whole series. Anyways, yeah. um, my first question. You get the power to shadow travel, but it's a bit unreliable like Nico's. Where would you try to shadow travel and where would you, like, probably accidentally end up? (laughs) I would try to
1: shadow travel, like, just, like, to the grocery store or something and end (laughs) up in the situation room, interrupting a really intense meeting.
0: And you You just just end up on the table. You just have your reusable bag, like, sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then be too tired to shadow travel out and then I'm arrested.
0: I what about that. you? I was thinking so I'd want to tra- shadow travel <laughs> mine's like much bigger I'd want to go to Prague because I studied abroad there and I'm always like oh I just wish I could just go back there you know but I feel like I'd end up yeah. somewhere very different like the middle of nowhere in the Midwest like I'd be trying <laughs> yeah. to go to like a cool European city and then I'd like end up at a gas station in like Missouri <laughs> no offense to Missouri Is that... that was actually no. a direct insult to Molly and Maddie at Fatal Flock I know <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, oh. what Greek monster would you want a beanie baby of?
1: <gasps> oh, right. um, like the chimera, <gasps> just because I think that would be really weird. That would be so cool. Or, like, Hydra's cute, too, but I think I've seen, like, the multi-head dragon. I think it's cute. Yeah. But 100% a chimera, because I'd be really interested to see how they would try to put that together. It would look like a child made it, like they cut up old beanie yeah. babies and put it together. <sighs>
0: I want to make my own. We should get Beanie Babies and cut them up and make our own monsters.
1: Cry when we cut I'd, them and then feel okay yeah. when we stitch
0: them again. I'd feel bad because yeah. of Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'm sorry. Them. I can hear your screams. Yeah. Um, I think I would like, um, Cerebus, that three-headed dog. But there's definitely a lot of stuffed animals of that. I just like, I'm not thinking of a, a better animal at the moment. Hmm. That's what I got.
1: That's fair. Yeah. That's it's cute. cute I like that. Right.
0: a sphinx would be kind of fun too oh yeah okay so if someone you were dating or friends with told you they were a demigod and all of this is real would you believe them this is based on paul kind of just casually believing that uh he's like oh yes a hellhound in my in my apartment i thought you guys were just joking when you said this
1: i don't know i think i'd want to believe them right but i feel like i wouldn't be able to like i'd want to because that would make life so much more exciting mm-hmm. but it also mean that i'm normal like oh. they get to be the hero and get to be like the demigod I and mean, it doesn't sound great to be honest because you have monsters all the time they die at a very young age but i am self-centered and i'd love to be the protagonist and um it would suck because then I'm just like a side character yeah
0: you're like that's honestly rude yeah. of you to be involved in this
1: <laughs> I'm the mortal friend oh. that really would kill me inside oh yeah. so now I would refuse to believe
0: that them that would be pretty hard <laughs> yeah I think I would want yeah. to believe them as well but then would also be like kind of butthurt that I didn't already know mm-hmm. I'd need to see it and then I'd have to somehow create a narrative in my mind where I was like this is my story <laughs> this is my story that i'm telling amazing those are all the questions that i have
1: awesome well next episode we do chapter seven through nine and we finally learn what the heck nicole's plan is
0: Mm -hmm. remember to follow us on social media at camp half pod where you can every monday we post our lightning bolt questions so you can have fun and answer those
1: and you can always email us your long form uh, questions or, you know, if you just want to have a chit chat with us. That's at it's camphathpod at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: All right, see you next time.